is Existential, a podcast aimed at reminding you that it's okay to be human. We listen to human stories and human experiences, and we wrestle with issues of justice, faith, and culture. I'm your host, Corey Leak. Thanks for listening. Well, what's up, folks, and welcome to a new season of Existential. Um, I have, I've been away uh, for a while, and I'm going to get into some of the why of, of where I've been and why I've been away, why I haven't been podcasting, why we stopped Existential Sunday for a while. Um, but I want to do a couple things up front before I also introduce to you who's here with me, because you know I didn't I didn't want to come back to telling you uh, of the journey I've been on without having someone to process it with, because I didn't know I didn't want to just sit here and babble off all the stuff that's been going on without some conversation, because there may be some things that I say that you may have questions about, and I think the person that I have with me today may have some of those same questions, and it can help us uh, make sense of all the things. So, welcome, I guess. Welcome back. I don't know. Welcome back to myself. Welcome back to you. This is Existential, and I'm glad you're listening. Uh, before I jump into, again, what we're going to uh, talk about today, I want to let you know some things that that I have going on that you can be a part of. All right, first of all, uh, if you're not a part of the Patreon community, you can be a part of that. Um, you can go to, you can actually go to my website, CoreyEvanLeak.com, and click on the link to become a patron, to join that Patreon community, become a supporter in that way. I'm also offering some... Um, Opportunities for one-on-one uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion coaching, as well as some group coaching for you. If you are a person who's been listening to the podcast or following uh, our content online and you, you want to uh, go a little bit deeper in some of these conversations, uh, you can go to my website and find out more about how you can uh, spend more time with me in that way. So uh, make sure you go over to CoreyEvanLeak.com and you can find information on those things. All right, today... Um, we almost started this way. I mean, this is the second guest I had on the podcast. Uh, and she's been holding down for us while I was away. Jen Kenny is is here sitting with me processing this stuff. What's going on? How are you? I'm good. It's good to be back behind the chair. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm kind of amazed, though. Was I really the second guest? You were the second guest. Wow. Second ever. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we, we did, and I think we've talked about this before, you did the um, uh, Get Your People episode, that's what we call yeah, it. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. If you haven't listened to that episode, by the way, the second ever episode of Existential, it's a really good one. It was one that we got a lot of great feedback on, because after the first one, it was actually funny, after the first episode of Existential, people were like, you know, asking, okay, well, what do I, what about me as a white person, or you know, what do I do? And, right. and and we had already scheduled your episode to come out. So it was perfect. And it came out and people are like, oh, <laughs> so that's, that's what I do. I get my people. So yeah. Yeah. If you've missed that one, check it out. But what, what else? You got a new podcast out now, right? There's some I do. things since, since anyone has heard from you talking about you, you know, so. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I started a podcast called Story Power. Um, I hate the name to be quite honest. Okay. But like it was available and it captured what, what I'm sort of doing, but the wild thing, and I don't know if you've experienced this, but I ended up hosting this podcast and just, you know, just organically inviting people on to talk and 90% of it ended up being pretty heavily focused on like religious trauma, deconstruction, 
theological shifts and changes. Um, and I'll repeat that since there was that annoying bell there. Um, that I've now shut off. I, I, know didn't hear, I, didn't, I didn't hear a bell. Okay, good. Anyway, so, so yeah, so I ended up like sitting here with this podcast that is really heavily focused on processing religious deconstruction mm. and trauma and pain and mm. shifting. And I think that's really an appropriate sort of um, entry into our conversation, right? Because it's yeah. so much of what we've been experiencing I think culturally, but also I know you have, and I know that I have. So, um, so it's been yeah. a really interesting season for me, just finding yeah. my way in that space um, and just seeing where it goes. Yeah. Well, two things I love about what you said is one is that you said you named it story because it was available. <laughs> like, you know, sometimes we have like these super deep reasons why we name stuff what it is. It's like, yeah, just means something deeply personal to me and you're like I was available <laughs> I mean you know it worked but it's one of those where I'm like anytime I name a podcast I'm like eh, you know like when I named speaking of racism I'm like it's it's kind of straightforward you yeah, know fair, story you know, power okay yeah. I mean There's, you know if it's yeah. good people listen you know if it's if it's helpful if it's valuable you didn't call it what you want to call it I mean no I'm one knows secrets, what existential you know. means no one knows no one knows what it means so I've had guests who couldn't even really say it properly but, you know, people listen. It is what it is. But, right. I mean, and the, and the other thing is just how I remember when you came on the first time and I asked you about, like, your faith and the um, impact that has on the work you're doing. You're like, I don't really talk about my faith in the speaking of racism space. Right. And so now to be in a space where you are talking about your faith is really interesting because for me, I think um, I did not realize the to the emotional toll that deconstruction and um, anti-racism were taking on me emotionally. Like yes. you're almost always in the, in this space in conflict with someone. Oh my God. Like, like yeah. in either one of those, if you, if you go straight anti-racism and, and don't involve any sort of spirituality or theology, then you've got people in that space that are like, want to argue with you, want to push back on everything you're saying. You leave that alone and go into the theology, which is probably even worse in terms of the, the amount of pushback and feedback that you get, because that tends to be a little bit, some of the more arrogant feedback. It's like, oh, you know, yeah. people want to push you out and, and make you something other. I guess they make you other in both. But I didn't realize the emotional toll it was taking, and that's where it kind of led to me taking this sabbatical I was I was on for the last... I don't know what three months or so. I think it's been since yeah. I sat down in front of this. Today's first day I've sat down in front of this microphone really? in you know probably three months or so at least. Wow! And how does it feel? Like you feel like you're kind of ready to be back? Yeah, I I feel like I'm ready to be back. Um, and, and let me just let me just go into some of the journey of, of what happened, and then move to the to. Um, you know, ready to be back. And as I say that, I just looked over and found the headphones I was looking for before the episode started sitting right here on the desk, right here. <laughs> not like, not hidden, not like underneath, just of right course, here. Of course, you know, one. that's how it goes. Yeah. You know, so I'm actually, I'm going to put them on because yeah, why not? So I, uh, I started to feel in, in my body, in my thoughts and my emotions, I started to feel probably back in 
April or May that I needed to take a break. But it wasn't like, it wasn't like this alarm going off. You know what I mean? It wasn't like I I hadn't hit a wall. I was just kind of like, like my check engine light was on. And, but I just was like, no, I'm fine. I was also like, I don't know that I can afford to do it. Um, You know, I I just, I got to keep, got to keep pushing. And, but my, you know, ultimately my body kept telling me every single day, we don't want to do anything today. (laughs) Like we don't have energy. We don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. We don't, and nothing was, was bringing me any kind of joy. Right. And eventually out of nowhere, I started feeling overwhelmingly anxious every day. Like, I mean, and and I think when sometimes when people hear anxiety, they think, yeah, you know, yeah, I got anxiety too, which everyone does have some degree of anxiety, but uh, I'm talking about the kind of anxiety that like, that, that puts you on your back, that like has you feeling hopeless, helpless, uh, afraid, and and you've got your your fight or flight is is turned on and the volume's turned up to a thousand and there's no threat you know no one's holding a gun to you there's no there's no bear in the woods chasing you but you feel like those things are happening and that's where i was for several weeks you know i wound up going to a doctor wound up seeing a therapist um and i wound up getting help from both of them both the therapists and the medical community uh, to deal with it. And in the, in the midst of that, what I found and what you and I talked about, what I found uh, uh, off the podcast, just in, in our friendship was a lot of it was um, theological. You know, it was, yep. yeah, it was a lot of like questioning the nature of God. And, and, and I started to realize that I was having an existential crisis because initially I'm just feeling anxious and possibly due to, you know, again, always being, always being in a state, somewhat of a state of conflict. When you are going up against white supremacy, you know, you're just, you are consistently and constantly embattled in some sort of emotional um, roller coaster. And, and yeah. when it's personally affecting you, like when you're black or when you're, you know, when you're Latinx or Hispanic, when you're part of the LBGTQ plus community, any marginalized people group, you are like the subject, the target of the hatred of the exclusion. And so there's a part of your identity that's like in there. And so it's impossible to stay in there long without needing some sort of help for your mental health. Yeah. So this is where I'm at. You know, starting there, just kind of feeling like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm in a battle with white supremacy, and then needing the help of the God that no longer existed for me mm-hmm. was trippy. <laughs> it's like yeah. because the God I grew up on is a God that's like, oh, just pray about it, and God will show up and take this away from you, and you'll feel better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I didn't have that. It's not what happened. Do you want me to kind of share some of my similar? Yeah. So um, for me, it was interesting and it was really helpful to talk to you because it helped me to kind of figure out to where I was at and where I was struggling. 
Um, but I just, I hit this point. I mean, I've been in a state of deconstruction from a variety of things. I'm not using the term in the, the proper way, probably. But I think of deconstruction as, you know, the pulling away, the peeling away of layers, the breaking down of the systems and the ways and the culture and, you know, just your ideologies, ideas, all of these things. Identity is heavily wrapped in this. I've been going through some sort of deconstruction for 10 years at Hmm. this point, specifically with my husband and I leaving the institutional church. um, I think it's probably been seven years now, but, but there was this point theologically where things went really fast for me. Hmm. And that was very discombobulating and it was difficult to identify it because I was so excited about what I was learning and I felt like what I was learning was expanding my -hmm. concept of God and expanding my understanding and just growing my perspective in life in a way where it had been so closed and so like I, I lived in this bubble of some form of fundamentalism and even and in white evangelicalism for a very long time and i was really happy to have that break open and to start you know letting go of all of these things and yet what i came to realize is that was the foundation of my being on some level where that is how i felt anchored and rooted and and safe And so even though I'm letting these things go, and I think it's important to understand that even in the midst of uh, a beautiful, expansive, happy moment, that is a grieving, right? Mm -hmm. Like there is a grieving that takes place when everything that you have identified with related to uh, people, relationships, family, I mean, so many things, they go. Mm -hmm. And you're just left there like, with nothing on some level, it feels like, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That was so discombobulating. And so for me, it was really helpful to kind of talk through this with you because I don't have, like, there aren't a lot of people who are going through this and talking about it at the same time. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, because there's a, what I didn't realize, what you just kind of described, is that the cost of deconstruction um, relationally um, the cost when it came to your own psychological makeup, because you are, like you said, this word that you use, I think is a perfect, you know, it's grounding in a sense to have concrete ideologies that you can go to, right. That you, you know, you feel like, okay, oh, this is, this is sturdy, this is steady, this is constant, this is never changing, and so I'll just put an anchor there or I'll put a flag there and I'll be fine and I can go back to it. And ironically, I actually did go back to a lot of my traditional, you know, Judeo-Christian practices during my existential crisis because I'm grasping for something that, you know, can, can help me uh, stay alive, you know, because you just, you feel so incredibly um, overwhelmed by your thoughts and your mind and your, even the idea of your own consciousness when you are dealing with like serious anxiety, which is what I was dealing with. And I'm just grasping at anything just to feel 
okay and to not have to, to not trust those so to not trust that foundation anymore is like really scary you know but i also think that it is a necessary part of the journey to spiritual maturity is that that moment where you um you open your hands to ultimate reality and you start to become okay with who you are and what you believe and you give yourself permission first to say this is what i believe and this is what i don't believe because so much of what i was holding on to was stuff that I felt like I needed to believe this to stay a part of this tribe or this group of people, this community of people, this family, this whatever. If I, if I change or admit to believing what I believe or even having some doubts about this other thing, then that means they're going to ostracize me. They're not going to be friends with me anymore. Um, well, well, what does that say about me? I, am I even allowed to question that thing? And, you know, I, I just actually saw it today and we shared it on the um, uh, existential uh, Instagram story. And I don't remember who said it and what the exact quote is, but he, ultimately it was some, you know, some older wisdom that says, uh, above all, don't lie to yourself. And it's so resonated with me because I felt like as a fundamentalist evangelical Christian, I was really kind of lying to myself, at, you know, about things that I, I'm like, I don't know that I really subscribe to that. Like, I don't know that I really think that this is the way God actually is. Right. And, 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 but I just didn't feel the liberty to say it or to accept it. And I think what, I think Jen, what actually really set me off was it was an existential Sunday where I had, I mean, I had already come to this realization, but I think saying it publicly that it, when I when I talked about the mythology of the afterlife, that for me was like this coming out party, and then I felt exposed, yeah. and, I, and I had to deal with my own um, sort of self image in that, right? My self object that sure. was all of these people who represented God to me that I felt like from walking away from their ideology was also walking away from God. And I had to reconcile that that was not the case, but it certainly, it certainly felt that way. Yeah. I mean, it's living in such a tension and it's so challenging and it's interesting because even as you're talking like something I've been grappling with and trying to sort of identify, um, I feel like, I'm getting a glimpse into what really triggered me and put me into a place where I also started really struggling with anxiety. And it was all around womanist theology specifically, mm. you know, and I always fancied myself a feminist, even though I was a fun, like fundamentalist evangelical, didn't believe women could be preachers and in ministry. You know, I really wanted, I really wanted to be a feminist. Right. <laughs> And, and I worked in anti-trafficking and I worked in um, mm -hmm. domestic violence, uh, like I volunteered in um, a supportive role. And so I have, I have carried my own pain and trauma as a woman, mm -hmm. experiencing things in the world and experiencing violence and oppression. And I've held the hands and, and carried the burdens along with other women. And I think for me, like coming to this reality that I had been upholding the very system that was violent against me and other women, mm -hmm. 
Hmm. And, and like dealing with my complicity in that and also just this big wake up call realizing like theologically speaking the way that complementarianism is actually mm. sexism mm. Yeah. it's a violence yeah. you know like and i i want to i want to be one of those people who sort of holds space for the nuance right and i don't want to always say like it's this or it's that mm -hmm. but there was just something in that moment for me um and i think i finally really stepped into and experienced the fullness of um and I, I i have a hard time saying it too even because mm -hmm. i don't want to like but the fullness of the way that i have been oppressed the way that I have participated in oppression within patriarchy. Mm -hmm. And that has been really, really hard for me. Mm. So, mm. Mm. so yeah. you, you, I've, I've, I want to, I want to pick up on something here because you seem to struggle in that, like, like naming it as you named yeah. it. Like, what is that? I feel like being a woman who is white and who's been working so much to divest from that, I, like, I don't want to, like, I don't feel comfortable just focusing on, like, oh, as a woman, I've been oppressed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, I don't mm -hmm. want to take up that kind of space. Mm -hmm. And yet I think that that's probably, like, unhealthy mm -hmm. for me. You know, yeah. like that's not what that means and that's not what that looks like. It's understanding the fullness of, you know, like the weight of patriarchy and mm. the role that it's played. And it's it's interesting because I've really grappled with it. But until you just said what you had shared earlier, I couldn't quite put my finger on what is it? Aside from the fact that it's violent and it's overwhelming and it's mm. just like so hard to to see fully. What is it that I'm struggling with so much in that? Mm. Wow. Yeah. You know, I, I've kind of struggled with this, thinking about this episode, um, feeling like it could be very important and also like, you know, wanting to be very careful with, with language that I use and, and, and how I talk about my experience. But as you, what you just said is triggering to me to, to, to tell the truth uh, about you know, how dark it can be. And I'll just, you know, say that I never was a person that thought there would ever be any sort of um, intrusive thoughts for me around self-harm ever. I mean, it's just like, I love my life. I love my kids, my wife, everything's great. You know, golf game's improving. <laughs> it's just like, you know, but this... I, I realized in the in the midst of this, like how um, people can can get there, um, and yeah, and I think once you do get there, some things don't matter anymore. Like, and I think chief among them is what other people think. Like when you are really confronted, yeah. Now the dogs, now the dogs here with a squeaky toy. This is just. Yeah, that, that's not gonna work. Yeah, she can just kind of sense that there's a serious moment going on here, and right? she has a squeaky toy. You know, damn so. the squeaky toys. <laughs> My dog gets them toy. and rips them out. 
and kills them. She murders the the toys that have squeaks. Yeah, so I'm gonna have to close. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to close the door on her. She's gonna she's gonna feel terrible, and I'm gonna feel terrible. Aww. <laughs> I've got my dog in here right now, but I'm like, lay down and be quiet. But like, she's you, older, not she, a puppy. Yeah, the puppy the puppy stage is like. You know, it's whatever. And having a dog also changes you, by the way. That's a yes, yes. Changed me a lot. But um, so I'm. Let me let me say this. Um, I found myself caring less about what people thought as I was coming out of a fight for my own survival you know, confronted with life and death, you kind of come back and go, okay, the stuff that actually matters is peace. Mm. It's like, can I, can, can I find a place of peace within myself where I'm at peace with what I believe? I'm at peace with who I am. I'm at peace with how I treat people. I'm at peace with the decisions I've made. I'm at peace with the amount of forgiveness I need to offer myself for the things I did in the past that weren't great, that were times that I betrayed myself, times where I acted um, in ways that weren't for, for my my own best self-interest, where I self-sabotaged myself or those around me. Like, I I have to make peace with all of those things and sometimes those things require that like i even people that i'm allied with that i that i accept that okay i don't necessarily agree with everything you have to say that right. i that, that i do like that that, I, that there are some very strong ideas out there about how we should function in the world and they're from people who i'm allied with who i'm allied with and they're from people that i respect people that i love that i go okay i hear what you're saying I don't have to subscribe to all of those things. That's what white supremacy makes you do. Exactly. That's yes. that's this like that's this very binary political system that says you have to mm-hmm. subscribe to all of these things in order to be a part of this party. And if you agree with these people over here about about anything at all, if you agree with them about anything at all, then you might as well be totally in with them. And that sort of like absolutism. Oh yeah. Doesn't have a place within spirituality, within a a basic construct of humanity, because human beings just don't really function that way if we're being honest with ourselves. Right. I mean, and that's mysticism, right? Hmm. That's the more mystical side of, of spirituality. But we see the fundamentalist side of spirituality and the way that religion is built and allied with power. Mm. And um, and just to experience letting go of that and releasing that and experiencing a loss in that is really instructive in how we have um, really been trained to think and perceive and, and feel and believe that our lens is the lens. Hmm. Um, you know, just thinking of the normative things in culture and, and just thinking back on how I took for granted that like, well, everybody thinks like this because this is the way, right? You know, I remember first moving to China in 2007 and realizing like, oh, people live differently culturally mm. in really deep ways mm. huh 
interesting. <laughs> I mean, now it's it's embarrassing to think that that was actually a, a really, you know, like light bulb moment for me. But um, I have to remember that, too, when dealing with people and like, oh, yeah, you're still sort of like in this place here. And I've been there and not to sound yeah. like arrogant and arrived or anything, but right. Yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, and and you do actually um, hold space for people's journey in in ways that I think are very helpful. Um, you know, including people who's who are um, adversaries to the kind of world that we're contending for. You know, you you kind of hold space for them, and I think that's remarkable. I think it's something that I that I think is more necessary than even I at times will probably give, give uh, enough credit to, right. Is that there, it is a necessary part. It is, it is, there is a part of living and contending for a better world that is exercising some degree of patience, love, compassion, and kindness towards even our enemies. That's what separates, I think, healthy spirituality from um, dominant sort of hierarchical, you know, Yes. Patriarchy, and I, I think there is something oh. kind of in in a in Christianity um, that is kind of like uh, um, grasped and clung to uh, hegemony. This like assumption that the ways that we think and behave and believe are the standard for everyone across the world. Like, no matter what your cultural background is, no matter what you feel, think, believe, there is this assumption, and there are certain, like, fundamentalist Christians that I talk to that make assumptions in our conversations, that um, those assumptions, like, make them believe that we're on the same page about things that we're not on the same page about, and therefore it leads to you saying certain things to me that, like, you think aren't offensive or you think they are, you think they're like, well, duh, everybody. And I'm on the other end going, no, actually, um, I no longer make that assumption about yeah. the world. You know, yeah. I don't, op- I don't operate. We don't operate from the same foundational mm-hmm. place, which again, going back to, you know, part of uh, this journey that I've been on that, that had me away from this microphone and, and this, space and you know podcasting and doing lives was was me just sort of um sitting in the grief as you described it of that yeah and realizing that um i needed to go through that grief process um i needed to come out on the other side of it and see what was left and we're moving forward now with what is, you know, with, with, with the things that are, are left, the things that I feel like are important and mm-hmm. um, the next phase of contending for a better world. Just out of curiosity, like, and, and I, I hesitate to even ask the question because it's this measurement, you know, which mm-hmm. I understand is sort of in and of itself an issue, but where do you feel you are in your journey? Do you feel, because I hear a lot of people talk about like deconstruction And then some talk about reconstruction. And I think, like, I feel like I've gone through my heaviest deconstruction at this point and have only more recently started sort of rebuilding and reimagining. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious where you're you're at in that. You know, I, I, 
um, I first came to ideas of deconstruction when re- I think it was reading Richard Rohr's book, um, Everything Belongs. I think it was the book that I was reading, and it, it kind of like he introduced me to this idea of uh, liminal space, which mm-hmm. is this you know deconstructing space. It's a space where like you are just kind of in the desert, and you're just there in this wide open spiritual place that like you're just kind of open and i think that there is something to deconstruction that just automatically has a negative connotation to it because you're you know it's it's like you're taking away breaking you know whatever right but i think that the the more accurate way to describe what most people that are serious about their spirituality are going through is an openness more than it it's it's a it's a breaking it's a it's a it's a I am now open to realities. I'm open to truths. I'm open to theories. I'm open to ideas. I'm open to being wrong. Um, I'm open to not just being wrong today, but having been wrong for the 40 plus years that I've been alive. I'm open to that. Right. right? Yeah. I'm, I'm open to having to go back and ask forgiveness of people who I've harmed along the way. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm open to, um, being a part of, 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 of a system, as you named earlier, I'm open to being a part of furthering violence towards my own self Yeah, and recognizing that I contributed to the thing that I'm now lamenting and calling out on social media, broadcast lives I'm, I'm, that's, that's what this is. It's an openness. It's not to me. And so where I am now and where I feel like I always want to be is open. And when we, if we have to use some constructs for people to kind of understand data points, you know, which I totally understand. Um, I, I was always reluctant to formation or like reconstruction. Once I started kind of this journey of openness, yeah, because people would say to me, yeah, I went, you know, I went through what you, what you're going through now when I was in Bible college, you know, and, you know, so I, we, I deconstructed in Bible college and then, you know, you go to Bible college and then in, in your later years of Bible college, you reconstruct and move on. No. And I'm like, okay. Um, well, they had a dark night of the soul. Yeah, maybe, exactly. But... Yeah. Right. But you, you, you walk away from, from especially a lot of these more conservative evangelical uh, Bible colleges, you, you still walk away with the, they, they kind of test. You come in believing these things when you went to a Christian school or youth group or whatever. You come in believing all these things about Christianity. And they take it all away from you in like your freshman, sophomore year. This is, again, my understanding of how this works. Take it all away from you. And then they slowly start to give it back to your junior and senior year. Mm, you know, it's like they, they just kind of tested it for you so to make it more cemented. But it was never... It was never an exercise of pure openness. It was always an exercise to make you stronger in what you came in already believing. And for me, I don't want that. I, I don't want mm-hmm. fake openness. Right. <laughs> you know, I want to actually be open to what the spirit, what the universe, what ultimate reality, what truth is is saying, doing, and he, and that also allows me to be open to hearing it from other people. Yeah. I can, I can, and this is where I challenge so many of my white brothers and sisters that are, you know, spiritual, serious about their spirituality or serious about their sociology is like, who are you getting your information from? 
Because if the only people you trust to tell you about seriously important things are white men, that's like... That is that is probably the number one telltale sign that you are actually not open. You're actually not deconstructing at all. No. And th- there's so much of this. This could be an entire podcast, right? <laughs> but like, but seriously, like, and I didn't, I didn't set out to like do the ABCs and, and, you know, like make everything, make my journey perfect or anything, mm-hmm. but I'm grateful that I was going through a relearning and a deconstructing from whiteness, like a divesting mm-hmm. from whiteness mm-hmm. and also deconstructing from religion because what i've come to understand is that if people aren't decolonizing and unsettling and doing that work alongside their deconstruction you have these progressive spaces that are just as violent and mm-hmm. oppressive and i'm ex- i experience that more now than i did before which i hate but i understand it more and i can name it of course people don't like when i name it but you get these white progressive men in particular who are like oh yeah i'm progressive and i've deconstructed and i'm like in your patriarchal racist sexist as you were before so yeah i just wanted to say that (laughs) well it's like you know as you said i I think about like brands like uh coca-cola yeah um you know which we're not sponsored by by the way it'd be awesome if we were i think it would be awesome if we were i don't know i don't i really don't know i don't really you know these days you don't know like what people are into behind the scenes and you know you have a coca-cola sponsorship and you find out they're like funding some really awful thing and you're like oh sorry guys we're not giving the money back but you're not our sponsor anymore (laughs) but like i think about brands like that then coca-cola has this very um you know sugary uh really probably bad for our bodies. I mean, I still drink it, but bad for your body product. And then, and they probably, they're smart people. They probably know that it's bad for your body. So they come out with Coke zero or a diet Coke, but they're different. Like, you know, they, these are, these are sort of homages to health, That's but good. their brand is not health. Right. No. And so to me within white supremacy, especially there's like these, this, this sort of diet white supremacy that is sort of white liberalism at times that like, it's like, it's like, we, we are, we are very comfortable with the idea of the um, wealth of the powerful and oppressive white supremacist state making its way to those who don't have it. But we just want there to be a white middleman. It's Robin hood. We, we, we are cool with, with the, the wealth, of the rich getting to the poor. We just want to be the ones that give it to you. And that is, it's still centering whiteness in a way that is just white supremacy, zero or like, <laughs> it's not actually empowering. It's not like moving, let black folks, brown folks, and indigenous folks, like not need Robin hood, but right. to, to have their own power to, to rise up, and take and have what's theirs. Mm-hmm. And I understand the complication of that. And then white folks go, well, what is my role? And when am I centering myself? And when am I not centering myself? And how can I be helpful? Yeah, it's messy. And we've always said that. I've never, <laughs> I have never on this podcast or any podcast I've been a guest on said that it is simple and that it is easy. But I've said is that the goal is to get here 
And we all do our best to try to make it happen. And sometimes you're going to make some mistakes along the way. Sometimes you're going to say something you shouldn't say. You're going to sit in a chair you shouldn't sit in. Oh, well, like this perfectionism is also white supremacy. Mm -hmm. I was was just looking for a quote from James Cone that somebody had posted just the other day. Actually, Melissa Flora Bixler, who you've had uh, on. Yeah, yeah. I, I want Existential. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she was quoting James Cone talking about, like, white people needing to um, divest from whiteness mm-hmm. and to become black. It was very mm-hmm. interesting, the post. Um, but that just made me think of of that challenge there. Yeah, I mean, James Cone is like, I mean, <laughs> I always encourage people to read him and James, uh, James Baldwin, both of the James, James yeah. Baldwin, James Cohen, because there's, their writing is, is so fascinating about, um, I, I think they both write about spirituality in different ways. Yes. Um, and, you know, obviously James Cohen being the actual theologian and scholar. Um, but I, I do think that like this, this notion of, uh, of God being black or uh, yeah. about, you know, people needing to become black is, 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 that is something for another day. Cause I could go on about that forever and ever and ever. Um, yeah. maybe, maybe next episode of existential would, will, you know, unpack some more of this, like God is black and yeah. participation in blackness for really to really have true, truly healthy spirituality is to participate in that. And that's just, that's, it's too deep for right now. We can't go, we can't, we can't go into it. We, 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 we don't have time. but it's a it's a good one to just highlight get people thinking what are they talking about go look for james cone go look for melissa flora bixler's book look up dr reverend will gaffney and womanist midrash you know like all of these people because like you were saying you know if all you're listening to are white men for your theological framework then there's a problem so mm-hmm. here are some great places to start. <laughs> yeah, and and it's and this is where this is what I, I really want to make sure we leave folks with in this um, is that because I'm sure there are people right now who in their journey are, are in a really frightening, scary place with your deconstruction or or your decolonization of your faith, and you find yourself kind of lost. And and part of that being lost is what I spoke to earlier. What I want to offer is more places and touch points of community for other people who are like you, right? Of building that community for for people who, who they feel like, okay, I used to have a religious community that I could plug into every week and I'd feel at home. And many of the people listening right now actually are plugged into a religious community, but they don't feel at home. They're just doing, they're just going through the motions. And so I will say that to you who's listening, if that's you, I know that like it is very hard emotionally on you and it is very taxing. And it is, um, especially those of you that still feel trapped by um, the religion that you cannot get out of for whatever reason, whether it's, whether it's your partner, your, your family dynamics, your job, your livelihood, many of you feel trapped. And I would say to you, I know that this is very difficult. And that's part of the reason why we're doing this episode is to say, you're not alone, that we know it it is hard. We, Gina and I both have been, um, through really, really serious, uh, anxiety episodes over this very thing. But in the end, I do believe that getting to the place of real, authentic honesty within myself, real authentic truth within myself is worth whatever 
whatever and wherever the journey takes you. Yes, that really resonates. And um, just something that I was thinking about as you were sharing is how much when I reflect back as well, I feel the weight of other people's expectations and all of the shoulds and all the things. And I function so differently now. You know, I'm not worried about what people think. I'm not chasing uh, approval of, of people. I'm starting to actually have boundaries, you know, Mm -hmm. which I know, you know, I've struggled with, you know, with just blocking people and, and not engaging and, um, focusing more on my joy and something that's really helped me is community. Like you're Mm -hmm. saying, you know, having people who are going through very similar things and having a vision for what can be, Mm. That is really difficult sometimes. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that is the that is the hardest part of all of it. Is the like, you know, it's like when you know the 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 Hebrew story of their liberation, where they certainly know that they don't want to remain under the boot of the Egyptian empire. They know that they like don't want to be oppressed in that way. They know they want their own liberation, their own their freedom, but they have no idea what that looks like. And as they get out into the wilderness, you find a lot of complaining and we should have stayed back there because at least then we understood. At least then like we had, you know, meals and shelter and sure we were yeah. bricks with no straw and we were, you know, they were they were committing genocide against our firstborn. Imagine that. Imagine a story mm-hmm. where like the they're committing genocide against the firstborn of of your people and once you're liberated from those folks you are in you're free you're not where you're going but you're not where you were and you long for the days of that level of oppression that should be a a a place for all of us to to contemplate how difficult it is to leave no matter how hard, no matter how oppressive you now see it was, but to leave from there and go try to figure out what the new thing is, figuring out the new thing is that hard that people have looked back at their oppression and went, well, you might've been better. (laughs) It might've been better back there, you know? So yes, it's hard, but yes, it is totally worth it to get to, to, to move into a place where everybody can be free. Mm. Where there's yeah. no, nobody's, nobody has bondage, you know? And, and that's, that's where we're, and I think it's where we're headed. I think that's what we're trying to do. And it's not easy. And this podcast and, and your podcast and the work that you do and the work that, that, that we do together and the work that, you know, we do with this podcast is like, is all aimed at, at, at helping us get there. So Jen, I'm like always appreciative of the time you take to, to talk to, myself and the folks listening on existential and and i want to thank you for uh, just all the help you gave while i was away trying to figure out you know my life and and what and getting through the the existential crisis which is you know pretty interesting to go through that with a podcast called existential you know right (laughs) (laughs) it it was and is my honor always i love coming and talking to you and you know could go for hours so that's why we have podcasts (laughs) that's why why we do it (laughs) 
Well, folks, thanks for listening. And I appreciate uh, all of you, again, who are part of the Patreon community. We could not do this work without you. Uh, again, if you are not a part of that community and you'd like to be a part of it, you can go to the website, CoreyEvanLeak.com. And uh, if you want to uh, get connected more with Jen and her work, uh, we will certainly have her Instagram and all the links in the show notes uh, for uh, you to get in touch with her. So thank you guys for listening and thanks for helping us to contend for a better world, one conversation at a time.